The scripture reading is from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4, verses 1 through 9. It can be found on page 839 in the Black Bibles. Again, he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea, and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, Listen, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. The word of the Lord. All right. Thank you all so much for reading and uh, preschool. That was awesome. Really encouraging. Um, Great to be with you all this morning. Uh, this, is a, this is a really encouraging day in the life of our church. It's really fun to receive uh, new members and to have baptisms earlier at the, um, at the 9 o'clock service. We also had some uh, kids celebrating their first communion. It's just fun to see the Lord at work and the Holy Spirit at work uh, among us and even through us in the life of Christ the King. And you know, I, I think this is really a, an appropriate passage for us to be looking at at a, at a day like today, um, where, where it pushes, this passage pushes every single one of us to ask a very simple question. But it's a very profound question. It's just one question. And the question is this, what type of soil am I? What type of soil am I? Or to put it another way, uh, where is my heart with respect to the good news of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? Where do I stand with respect to that news that Jesus Christ is Lord? That he came and lived a perfect life in obedience to his Father. That he died uh, a death on the cross that I and we deserve, but he did it on our behalf. That he rose again on the third day that we might have eternal life in him. Where's my heart toward that news? The Bible tells us here in this passage that there are really four different types of hearts that we can have towards that good news of the Gospels. We can have a hard heart. We can have a rocky heart. We can have a thorny heart. Or we can have a fertile heart. We can have a hard heart or a rocky heart or a thorny heart, or a fertile heart. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. If you have a Bible with you or one in front of you, I would encourage you to go ahead and open it to this passage because there's good news here. Um, it's really hard to, to mess up the interpretation of this passage if you just keep reading past verse 9. Because starting in about verse 14, Jesus explains exactly what he means by all of these types of soil. So if what I, so you can basically test everything I say basically with what Jesus said, and, and, and I would go with him, uh, definitely, and not me. But 
the first uh, type of heart and type of soil that the good news of the gospel might encounter is a hard heart. Now, the first thing we kind of have to understand is that this is a parable, which means it's a story in which there are certain aspects of the story are representative of other things. Uh, they're metaphors in, in, in that sense. And the characters in this parable are the sower, the farmer who goes out to scatter the seed, the seed, and the types of soil. So the different characters are the sower, the seed, and the soil. Now, in the immediate context of this parable, Jesus himself is the sower. He is the one who has come proclaiming the good news of the gospel of the kingdom of God. But he's not the only sower. He is passing on the good news of the gospel to his original disciples. And then in Matthew 28, we see that he sends them out into the world to go and make disciples of all nations. So they become the sowers. But then the people that they teach the gospel to among the nations also proclaim the gospel and so on and so on. Which means that not only is Jesus the sower, not only are the original disciples the sowers, you and I are also the sowers. We are the ones who spread the good news of the gospel, like we're doing right now in this worship service, or like you're going to do when you leave this place today and you go into your spheres and you go into your places of work and you talk to people and tell them about Jesus. And when you do that, one of the types of soil, one of the types of hearts that the gospel that you proclaim may fall upon is a hard heart. Jesus talks about this in verse 16 and says that the hard soil is the seed that is scattered along the rock hard and trampled path. So the seed is scattered there but it is so hard that it is unable to penetrate the soil so it doesn't take root. It just sits right there on the top and Jesus says and from there the evil one Satan comes and takes it away. So the hard heart is when somebody hears the gospel and they deem it to be not true, not applicable to them, completely irrelevant to their life, and their heart remains hard. So here's the question. How do you know if your heart is hard toward the gospel? How do you know if your heart is hard towards the good news? Well, one of the ways is that you reject it. You reject the message of who Jesus claims to be and what he claims to do. The Apostle Paul tells us in Romans chapter 10 that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. A hard heart is one who rejects that news where the message of Jesus is deemed false, the sacrificial death of Christ, his resurrection on the third day, to say in your heart that God doesn't exist and if he did we couldn't know him and certainly Jesus isn't who he said he was and he didn't do what he said he did. But you know, there are some subtle ways to have a hard heart toward the gospel as well. One of those is to live your life with basically, basically with cynicism. A lot of people in our culture do that. That, that they, they, Essentially, they just try to float above all of life and look at everything with kind of a sneer. 
not taking anything too seriously, judging everything. And that's a defense mechanism against vulnerability. Because if you fly above everything, and if you just kind of look at everything as a joke or just beneath you, it protects you from ever opening up your heart to being hurt by anything. But cynicism sets up a wall against the work of God. Here's why. Because you are afraid that if you really, truly bow the knee of your heart to Jesus, if you really, truly open up your heart to let Jesus in, to be the Lord of your life, that Jesus may disrupt your life. The truth is that Jesus will disrupt your life. That's the point. But if you don't want Jesus to disrupt your life, you'll fly kind of above like really giving yourself to him. You may, you know, come to church some, you may have some Christian friends, you may know the lingo, you may know the words, but you won't really give your heart to Jesus because you're afraid that he may make you feel things that you don't want to feel or live a life that you ultimately don't want to live. Another way is to ask yourself the question, how it is that you are with respect to judging other people? How gracious are you to other human beings? How much do you allow them to fail? Because to judge another human being is to set yourself up ultimately as superior to that person in some way. And you may categorize another person or another type of person as outside of the possibility of salvation, as irredeemable, as you know, someone that God can't possibly change or they can't possibly change. But that's hard-heartedness. You know why? Because a soft heart is first and foremost, but, but, but before anything else, a soft heart is a heart that desperately understands its need for Jesus. It's a heart that knows that that heart is not better than or above anyone else's. That without the intervening work of the Holy Spirit, that all of our hearts would remain hard against what we most need, which is the grace that Jesus offers to us freely in Christ. Is your heart hard? to the transformative work of the Lord Jesus Christ? Is it the hard path where the seed of the gospel falls but takes no root and then is swept away? That is the first and most tragic heart that is presented to us in Mark chapter 4. Second, though, the gospel may encounter a rocky heart. Again, Jesus tells us exactly what this means in verse 16. The rocky soil refers to the ones who hear the gospel and immediately upon hearing the good news of the gospel, they receive it with great joy. But the word of God doesn't take root solidly. The roots are shallow because the soil is rocky. And here's what this means. When everything in your life is going smoothly, that is okay. But when you run into hardship, or what Jesus says, when persecution comes, they fall away because the gospel is shallow and not deep in their life. Now this means that the soil of our hearts are rocky, first and foremost, when we misunderstand the nature of the gospel. If you believe that Jesus exists or if God exists primarily to serve you and to make your hopes and dreams in this world come true, 
then what happens when it doesn't work out that way? What happens when your hopes and dreams don't come to fruition? What happens when really hard things into your life? If Jesus is there to make those things happen and they don't happen, well then the root of your faith is not growing deep and you fall away when things get hard. You see the problem here in that sense is that Jesus is not really your ultimate savior. Uh, in, in that sense. Something else is your ultimate savior. Jesus is the means for you to get there. You, you see, if Jesus is your ultimate savior, you will love and be devoted to worshiping him in, in community with God's people. You'll be soaking in the word of God because you so desperately need it. You'll be coming to him very often in prayer which is how you cultivate the depth of your faith, you see. But maybe your Savior is something else. Maybe your Savior is your hope of entering into a relationship with another human being, to fall in love, to get married. And, and Jesus is going to help you get there. He owes you that. But then you wait and you wait and you wait or it doesn't happen or you date someone seriously and you break up and it is really crushing. You see, if the gospel hasn't actually taken deep root in your heart and in your life, and if that's what you are holding out your hope for, when it comes, when it doesn't come to path, you may decide that being a Christian isn't working for you. You see, it's just not working and you may walk away. If your ultimate God is a life of comfort and ease, and I really do think that for a lot of us here in Houston, that's really what we put our hope in. We just want comfortable and easy lives. You may receive the good news of Jesus with excitement, but what happens when your life isn't easy? Well, your life won't be easy. Because if you really bow the knee of your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ and he enters into it, you know what he's going to do? He's going to disrupt you. He is going to transform your heart and your life. He is going to disrupt you. Plus, when someone becomes a follower of Jesus. The evil one does not like that. So temptations and attacks by the evil one come your way. So what happens when our lives of comfort and ease are disrupted? When we're reading the Bible and we read crazy things like, you know, take 10% of the first fruits that come into your life and give them to the work of the church. Or love your enemies and pray for the people that persecute you. And you're thinking, no, I don't want to do that. That's way too disruptive. Well, then you've discovered that comfort and ease was your ultimate God. You were hoping that Jesus was going to help you get there. And there's really no room for him to take full ultimate root in your heart to be manifest in your life. And you may walk away. That's a rocky heart. Third, the gospel may encounter a thorny heart. It's a little bit different than a rocky heart. And as I was studying this passage this week, and I was thinking about my own life, and I was thinking about ministry in the city of Houston, I nicknamed for myself, verse 7, this type of soil as Houston soil. Why? Well, listen to how Jesus describes it in verse 18, and just see if this doesn't describe us pretty well. It says, And others are the ones sown among the thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches 
And the desire for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. If that is not the major temptation of my life in a nutshell, I don't know what is. And I know, I, I know y'all. It's you too. So here we go. Let's think about this. We live in a city where it is impossible to escape the distractions and the cares of this world. We live in a place and in a culture that prizes and rewards achievement, right? Social achievement is prized and rewarded. Vocational achievement is prized and awarded. Being known as the good mom, people want to be the good mom, or the good dad, that's prized and rewarded. Athletic achievement, prized and awarded. Academic achievement is prized and rewarded. And the more of these that you can rack up, I mean, maybe for me, I might only get like half of one of those, but maybe you get, maybe you're a great athlete and a great student, and your, your, your social life is like right on track, and people like really wish, like, I wish I could be a dad like that. Maybe you've got like four. The more of those that we are able to kind of collect in our lives, well, the more recognized you become in our culture, the more that you can sense some, feel some sense of accomplishment, right, in our culture and in our world, and the more people respect you. And in some ways, and we like even like this a little bit, the more people are like jealous of you. And, and you know it, and you're kind of like, yeah, they should be a little bit. So here's the problem. Well, there's a few problems, but the major problem is this. All of that stuff takes a ton of work. It is a ton of maintenance, right? That maintenance of that kind of life that we're trying to cultivate for ourselves in this world of Houston that we live in, that's the thorn bush that is growing up around your relationship with Jesus, threatening to choke it out. Think about it. When you're looking for a place to live here in the city of Houston, it's a little bit daunting, but you've got to think about certain things. So you're looking for a place to live Right? So what do you think about? Well, I gotta be in the right neighborhood with the right schools, around all of the right people. Then you think, well, my kids need to have the right friends, and so I need the right friends, so my kids have the right friends. Or then you start thinking, well, wait, wait a minute, I need the right friends, so maybe my kids need the right friends so that I can have the right friends. Um, and, 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 what, and, and then you start thinking, okay, what's next? The kids need to be on the right teams because, you know, Somebody told your son in, in second grade, like happened to my son in second grade, that if he didn't play year-round sports, he wouldn't make a team in high school. It turned out not to be true. But anyway, they're going to tell you that. Um, you know. And then the tests and the tutors and on and on and on it goes. And pretty soon you look up and you find what? All of my time. All of my time. All of my energy is going toward maintaining life. Maintaining this life that I have created and cultivated for myself. And so what happens? You're not in worship. You can't be. You're too busy to be in worship. You're giving. Your life of generosity goes from the first fruits that come in to what's left over after you've been able to maintain all of these things that we are trying to maintain. You have no time, and, because, so that, and since you have no time, you have no time to serve. And also because you have no time, you have no time 
to really dig deeply into relationships with other people because that's hard. You have to actually commit yourself to that. It, it takes, it, you can't program that in the life of the church. You have to kind of, you have to commit to it. You have no energy for God's word. You have no energy for prayer. What has happened? The cares of this life, the deceitfulness of riches have rose, have risen up around you and have choked out the gospel in your life. Now, those are three pieces of fairly bad news, right? The hard path, the rocky path, the thorny path. But the good news is that Jesus never, ever, ever stops the bad news. The bad news is always preparatory for the good news. And the good news is this, that by the grace and power of the Lord Jesus Christ, the gospel may also fall on fertile hearts. Look at verse 20. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. You see, there are two major things to pay attention to in that verse. Two words. Well, there's three words. The first word is accept. Accept the good news. And the second is bear fruit. You see, the first manifestation of a fertile heart, a soft heart, is that it accepts the good news of the gospel. The good news of the gospel goes out. It goes out in places like this, but it also goes out through people like you who tell it to your friends. But then the question is, do you accept that good news? To accept the good news means that you have come to grips first with the bad news. That you are dead in your sins. That there is absolutely nothing you can do in and of yourself to breathe life into you. But Jesus has come. He has lived a life of perfect obedience to his Father in heaven. He has died a sacrificial death on the cross that you and I deserve, but we don't have to bear because he has done it for us. That on the third day, he did not remain in that grave. He bodily rose again from the dead. And in doing so, he proved that he is the Son of God. And he guarantees new life and eternal life for all who repent and believe. Do you accept that good news? That's the first manifestation of a fertile heart, a soft heart, a heart that is soft toward the gospel. But upon receiving that good news, we are also called to be those who go out and bear fruit. This is really important. We say this a lot at Christ the King, and we're going to say it a lot more. Um, that, that coming to faith in Christ and then growing in faith in Christ are always... Always, and I say this without any hesitation whatsoever because the Bible says it, they are always unto mission. Why is Jesus telling this to his original disciples? Because he is preparing them for the time that he is not there and he is going to send them out into the world to be his representatives. Why is this written down for us? Because Jesus has put us in a place of mission. If you are a Christian this morning, you are a missionary. You just are. We're called to go and bear fruit. There is no such thing as a disciple without a mission. There's no such thing as a disciple without a mission. Our temptation, though, is to sort of want to keep Jesus to ourselves. You know, I... Um, 
there, there was a new survey that just uh, was just released this past week from the Pew Research Center, and it, and it demonstrated what we talk about at Christ the King a lot, which is not a surprise or shouldn't be a surprise to any of you who you know, live in the world, which is that those who profess to be uh, Christians, the, the, the number of people who profess to be Christians is shrinking, and the number of people who profess nothing, you know, to, be, to, to, to have no religion whatsoever is growing. But one of the other things that this survey talked about was a question that was asked to people who did not, were unbelievers. And the question is essentially, when you hear the word evangelical Christian, what do you think of? And there were a lot of different answers that were given to that question, but it's basically boiled down to this. A lot of people who are not Christians, when they hear the word evangelical Christian, they think, those people hate me. That's what they think. Those people hate me. And they don't really only believe that those people hate, you know, certain things about me or my life. It's No, no. Those people hate me. That is the truth of the world that we live in right now and occupy as those who follow Jesus. It got me thinking, what would it be like? What would it be like if somebody asked your neighbor about this church? Hey, have you heard of that church, Christ the King, you know, over there on Silver Road? What do you know about that church? And what if the thing that people knew about this church was this? Those people never stopped talking about Jesus. Oh, I have some friends who go to Christ the King. They're the people that are always talking about Jesus. What would it be like if that is what we became known as? Not those people hate me. But those people are always telling me about Jesus. It's a little annoying, but I have to kind of like it because they love me. They want me to know about him. That is the fruit. The fruit of the gospel taking root in your life is that you simply can't hide it for yourself. That's what fruit does. The seed goes into the ground. The tree grows. Boom! There's fruit. The fruit is that people know they know that we are those who are always 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 showing them Christ in 2017 a man named John McGowan took his wife and his two college-aged stepchildren whose name were Austin and Abby Connor to Playa del Carmen Mexico for a vacation Only two hours after arriving at this five-star resort that they were staying at in Playa del Carmen, pool attendants found Abby and Austin face down in the pool underwater. Now, they were able to take them out of the water, and Austin was able to be revived, but this college-age girl, Abby, even after being flown to Cancun and then flown from Cancun to uh, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, ultimately died and drowned. Now the cause of this drowning was a mystery and it remains a mystery. But Abby, who was 20 years old at the time, was an organ donor. She was young and she was healthy and uh, some of her organs were able to, uh, to, to be uh, transferred to other people that because of her death maybe some others would live. Her father, Bill Connor, who was not on this vacation, in his massive amounts of grief, decided 
that he would take a bike ride, a journey by bike, from his home in Madison, Wisconsin, all the way to Fort Lauderdale, Florida. He was going to do this for a few reasons, one of which was just to to be to to work out his his uh, his grief, you know, it is just a place for him to grieve. But second, he wanted to raise awareness and even some some funding you know, for organ donation and the 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 beauty that that can manifest in other people's lives. So Bill Connor's riding a bike from Madison, Wisconsin, to Fort Lauderdale, Florida. He gets to the south and he takes a detour. It's not on the way. But he goes and makes a stop in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. He stops in Baton Rouge, Louisiana because there is a man there whose name is Lamont Jack Jr., 21 years old. And prior to a little while ago, this 21-year-old man named Lamont Jack Jr. was dying. He was dying because his heart was failing. But he received the heart of Abby Connor. And so when Bill Connor got to Baton Rouge, Louisiana, he was met with a standing, strong Lamont Jack Jr. The two men, upon seeing each other, embraced for a very, very, very long time. And then Bill Connor pulled out of his bag something he had been ta- he had, he had, had with him the entire journey. It was a stethoscope that he had brought with him from Wisconsin. Put the stethoscope in his ears. He put it up to the chest of Lamont Jack Jr. and he sat there listening to the beating heart of his daughter Abby. The fertile heart of the follower of Jesus is just like that. It's just like that. A dead and rock hard heart that is removed from us by the power of the Holy Spirit and replaced by the beating heart of Jesus himself. And Jesus had to die in order to make that happen. You see, the heart of Jesus beats in all who believe. The heart of Jesus beats in all who believe. That is a fertile heart that bears fruit 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. And that means when the unbelieving world encounters you, When the unbelieving world encounters me, when the unbelieving world encounters us, what they should encounter first and foremost, beyond anything else, before anything else, precedent over anything else, what they should encounter is the beating heart of Jesus who invites them, too, to life in him through faith. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you have done that work in our lives of giving us new hearts. We pray, Father, that they would be fertile hearts that accept the good news of the gospel and bear fruit by the power of the Holy Spirit. We ask it in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen.